everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. I suspect you've, uh, you have done this. Uh, I admit I have done this. You've watched how someone treats another person and thought to yourself, boy, that's not very Christian. That's not very Christian. Last May, there was an, there was an editorial by the CBC reporter Neil MacDonald about the place of religious beliefs in society. I don't know if you heard this or read this or not, but uh, he said this. Mr. McDonald said, To be clear here, I am all for a person's right to believe in whatever he or she desires. To embrace foundational myths of aliens or miracles or extreme positions of love or hatred as long as it remains in a place of worship with the door closed. Isn't that sad? <laughs> as long as they, you can do what you want, as long as the door is closed. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. McDonald, <laughs> right? Uh, but that's not what faith is all about, is it? That's not what faith is all about. However, I think that even he would have to admit, as followers of Christ... We should strive to follow Jesus' words and example when it comes to how to treat others, right? I doubt Mr. McDonald would say, yeah, keep that, in, keep that inside. Don't treat, don't treat people this way. <laughs> no, it, we're supposed to take it out there into our everyday lives. And as this scripture reminds us, especially for those who are hard to love. Or we may even call them our enemies. Our enemies. Our faith isn't meant to be lived behind closed doors. It almost makes me want to open the doors on purpose this morning. The Church of Christ is at its best when we do this. And we're at, we're at our worst when we forget Jesus' teaching on this subject of how to treat others. And, you know, can I just say, even if you might have a hard time saying, boy, I can't think of, I can't think of anybody that's, uh, it's hard to love. You know, uh, um, I think there's still something here for you. I suggest that maybe you dig a little deeper, because I'll bet there's somebody <laughs> that's, you would say, it's a little hard for me to love them. The more our actions and attitudes towards others are shaped by Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more God can use us as his representatives to a hurting and broken world. And I suppose the opposite is, is true as well. If our actions and attitudes do not reflect Scripture and do not really seek the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's really hard for us to be his hands and his feet. We begin in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. You know, this, uh, this phrase, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, it is, it is indeed in the Old Testament. It's in the, the book of Leviticus. It's in Deuteronomy. It's also in Exodus 21. And let me just read part of that. Exodus 21 verse 22 says, If people are fighting 
and hit a pregnant woman. And, uh, and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury. The offender must be fined, whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. It uh, makes it pretty, you, whatever they did, you can do it to them. Now, when we read something like that, we might jump to the conclusion that God, God seems to be sanctioning revenge right here. He seems to be sanctioning revenge. Boy, if they do it to me, I can do it back. If I get punched, I have every right to punch back. But the purpose of the law was to make sure that the legal punishment did not exceed the crime, right? And I, I, uh, as I was studying this, I had never really thought about this aspect of it. If someone knocks your tooth out, you do not have the right to destroy their whole village, <laughs> right? There needs to be a, a measured response to this from a legal standpoint. And by the time that Jesus quoted this, uh, written hundreds of years before Jesus, right, the, uh, these physical penalties, penalties had largely been replaced by financial kind of penalties and financial fines. And so uh, I'm not exactly sure how it worked, but you know, there was not necessarily an eye for an eye, but there, there was... There was a reparation that was made for something like that. So why, why is this important to understand about this? Well, Jesus is not just teaching us to leave vengeance up to God, which we know Scripture teaches, right? You know, uh, he says, vengeance is mine, and we have something that's done to us, and we want to do it. But no, we have to give it to God. That's what he tells us to do. But he's not just teaching us that in this passage. Jesus isn't. Jesus takes it further as he keeps doing in this Sermon on the Mount, as he's talked about our thought life and the things that we do. He takes it further. Jesus is teaching his followers to give up their legal rights, even if they are completely within their rights. This idea of a tooth for tooth, right, was kind of part of the legal structure. And he's saying, yeah, you might have the right to do that. But I want you to consider even giving up that and being kind to even an evil person. Some look at the scripture. Some look at it as a license and advocation for nonviolence, right? Well, that's what this is talking about. We should be nonviolent in all our interactions with others. But Again, I think Jesus is going further than that. He's advocating no resistance at all. Number, number one for us to consider today, Christians don't demand what they deserve. From one aspect, of course we don't, because we, we know as people, as fallen sinful people, we deserve, we deserve hell. But when it comes to living our lives... Christians don't live in a way that we always demand what is rightfully ours, perhaps, or what we deserve. Now, no one is saying that this is easy, but I think we can see why this is important. When we demand, when we demand anything, who is it about? It's, it's about us, isn't it? It's about us. And, and Jesus came and he was all about others. He was all about others. 
Jesus wasn't about himself. He was about others, and he wants us to follow his example. So inevitably, we lead to this question when we, when we read this passage. Doesn't turning the other cheek mean that Christians are a bunch of wimps? Have you ever heard that before or thought that? Or read this verse and thought, man, boy, I guess we're just supposed to take it and be a, be a wimp. Well, you know, I, could, I can understand maybe how you would see that. But I believe the answer is no. And here's why. What's harder? And you know this, I know this. What's harder? To be self-controlled and resist the urge to strike back in anger? Or to strike back? What's harder? Well, I think the first is harder. Far be it from being a wimp. It's harder to be self-controlled. It's a lot harder and shows greater maturity to resist. You know, we call it the high road, right? Man, take the high road. What's the opposite of the high road? Well, isn't it the easy road, right? A person of character considers their response carefully. This passage does not mean that we don't resist evil at all, either. Jesus, Jesus is talking about an evil individual, isn't he, here? An evil person. Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. And you know what? I, I expect that you have experienced this, right? When, you, when, you, uh, when God kind of whispers in your ear and say, Listen, what you see in front of you isn't what's really going on. There's a spiritual battle here. You know, I think of, I think of uh, times when there is divorce, right? It can seem like it's all wrapped up in all this name-calling and all that stuff. But there is a spiritual battle for our families happening. When we, when we make it about the person, we can forget this truth. And instead of putting our efforts in resisting the enemy of our souls, the devil, we can waste our efforts on fighting a an individual. Turning the other cheek is about our daily work and interaction with individuals. It does not mean, in my understanding, that it is that a Christian is not to resist evils in our society or the evil one himself, of course. Scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It is the cause of Christ. And through history, you can see this played out. Christians were often leading the way when it came to standing up for people that were being oppressed. I mean, how could we do what it says in Scripture? Isaiah 1 verse 17 is just one example. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Christians work for good in the world. But when we start demanding our rights and everything that we need and we want, we start to look a little ugly at times. Secondly, this morning, Christians, Christians seek justice on behalf of others, not themselves. I wonder if, if this is what is part of what is meant when Paul says in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. As followers of Christ, we are called to die. We're called to die to ourselves and take up Christ's cause. 
turning our actions, prayers, and hearts outwards rather than focusing on ourselves. You know, I was thinking as I was praying this morning and, uh, and asking us to search our hearts. Uh, you know what? We can't stop there, <laughs> right? Sometimes we think that's what it's all about, is that we just come and this is a time of private reflection. That's kind of what church is, right? We, we come to the altar so we can be sent out, <laughs> right? So that we can turn our hearts towards others. We continue with the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, verse verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You know, I remember years ago, I was at, uh, I was, uh, counseling at a Christian camp, and it's, it was uh, West Chazy in upstate New York. And uh, there was one day that they, they took us all and dropped us off in Burlington, Vermont, which is just across the Champlain, Lake Champlain, I think it is. And, uh, and they just dropped us off, and, and it, uh, looking back, it, it, it was, it's kind of good to kind of be stretched, but it, I think of all these students and stuff, they just said, yeah, just go and talk to people. <laughs> Right, talk to people about Jesus. Go out there, and and I remember there's this this gentleman that came up to me, and we were talking about uh, uh, talking about something, and he, and all of a sudden he says, you know what? I really need, I really need a new shirt, and uh, and I can't recall exactly. You know, I, I don't think he had a great shirt on, but he said, I really need a new shirt. Can I have your shirt? And I kind of remember in my young <laughs> young faith, kind of thinking, well, well. I guess I got to give him my shirt. <laughs> like, you know, well, I guess the scripture says to give him your shirt. And, uh, and I can't remember exactly how the conversation went on, but I, I didn't end up giving him my shirt. But I'm thinking to myself, man, am I, do I want to walk bare-chested through, you know, Burlington, Vermont, and without any shirt? I think the guy, looking back now, he was kind of, he was testing me. <laughs> he knew this scripture. He thought, oh, you Christians are out here. You know, let's see. Is this what Jesus is really talking about? Well, he might be, right? There might be somebody that comes and they really need a shirt. And you might be in that situation where you'd say, okay, I got to take my shirt off and give it to this, to this person that needs it. But I think we can be focused on sometimes the details and we can miss the meaning. Was Jesus giving us a rule to follow? That if someone asks you for your shirt, you need to give it to them and give your coat too? Or if they want you uh, to go with them, you should go twice as far with them. Is it, is it just kind of a rule? Well, again, there could be times those things are literally true. But I think Jesus was giving us a principle to follow, and it's number three. People come before possessions and time. People come before possessions and time. You know, I remember I uh, I was uh, had a chance to spend some time with my friend uh, my friend Corey and Julia last uh, last week, and uh, I remember we he just got a pool put in, which is you know suffering for the Lord. It was great, uh, but uh, but I remember years ago we went to uh, his brother in law's house uh, when they were away, and his brother in law is is quite uh, is a person of means, 
And uh, it's interesting. They had a beautiful, like, in-ground pool, and they had all this stuff. And it, at that time, anyway, it just seemed they were so possessive of it, right? Man, if, it, and, you know, boy, I'd love, God, would you, you know, I'd love to test this out if I had a pool, <laughs> right? I think I'd be having people over all the time, use it, right? That kind of stuff. But sometimes we can get, just get caught in that, right? Caught in that. We got this nice thing, and we think the thing is the thing. It's more important. And we kind of put down people or put them aside sometimes. People come before possessions. Time, you know, the verse about being forced to go a mile uh, or an extra mile would have made the first hearers of this scripture think of a Roman soldier, right? There was this sense where a Roman soldier had the, had the power to kind of come and say, hey, come and carry my stuff. And, uh, and, you know, they didn't have any choice. And it's interesting, Jesus, in saying this, he was deliberately uh, telling the people that he was not there to oppose Rome, right? And it just kind of a roundabout, well, it, it was just kind of saying, this is not what I'm about. They thought, you know, as we know, that, that Jesus was coming to, to take the shackles of Rome off of the Jewish people. But Jesus was coming to do much more than that. He was coming to take the shackles off of us spiritually and fit us for heaven. To change our way of thinking about people. All that we have been given and all the time we have is a gift, isn't it? to be used for God's glory. If we can use what we have been given to bless others, especially, and this is where it's hard, isn't it? Especially those who are hard to love, who we might even call our enemies. Jesus said we should do it. We should do it. Jesus is laying a foundation to help the first hearers and us today understand, I believe he's laying a foundation to help them understand what grace is all about. Romans 5 verse 10 says, For if we, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Number four, we treat people with grace because that's how Jesus treats us. We treat people with grace because that's how Jesus treats us. You know, there was a, a couple, and it's funny how you remember things. I remember a missionary, uh, I believe, told this story years ago. But it's one of those things that stuck with me. That in Russia, uh, especially at this time, because this would have been quite a while ago, uh, there was definitely kind of the good hospitals and the bad hospitals. And, uh, of course, you wanted to get to the good hospitals. And there was this, this young couple that were expecting a child. And they had somehow gotten their position uh, uh, confirmed for the good hospital. And this couple were Christ followers. And, uh, you know, you can imagine how, uh, what a blessing it, it, it would be to, uh, to that young mother to think about being able to go to the, the good hospital. And I remember, as the missionary told this story, that this couple decided to give up their spot to another young couple. And their only purpose was because they wanted them to know the love of Christ, the love of Jesus. They gave up their spot at the good hospital 
so that maybe through their act of, of love, they would understand the love of Christ. And you know, that story has stayed with me for years, and it helps me understand. It helps me understand why Jesus would tell us to turn the other cheek, even to our enemy, because their soul is worth everything to God. It's God's desire that your enemy would turn their lives over to him. And God wants us to view them that way as well. You know, I think that's why it's so powerful to pray for our enemies or for those that are hard to love in our lives. Because it helps us see them from God's perspective. We once, too, if we're a follower of Christ here today, we once were far from God. As Romans said, we were called God's enemies. And I'm so thankful he did not turn away from us. Do you have anyone who is against you in this life? Show them the grace. Grace undeserved because that's what Jesus has done for us. Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church, following Christ, growing together. Thank you.